church how are we today so good to see you you get to lead worship today twice in a week twice two weeks in a row i was trying to say so i'm really glad to be here i'm glad to see you guys um i'm gonna be leaving again after this week which is really sad for a long time but it's been so nice to be home and to see so many familiar faces and to catch up a little bit um, and I want to say hello to the Golden Bell staff this morning. I think it's y'all's first week here. We're so excited to have you this summer. Um, why don't you guys stand, um, turn to your neighbor, shake a few hands, meet some people you might not know. Sorry, don't laugh at me. Let's have some time of fellowship this morning. 
this next song is a new one, and it tells the story of our Savior Jesus and how he has brought us living hope, how his death and his resurrection means that he is alive right now. He embodies hope for us in our darkness. And I just want to sing this with us this morning. It goes like this.
And out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. for us, Lord God, in our place. We have done nothing to deserve such grace, Lord God, and yet you went anyways. You went anyways, Lord God. And yet we know that was not the end of the story, for three days later, your body began to breathe once again. You rose. You walked out of the grave, Lord God. Yeah. 
Display. 
enter in a time of prayer for those that are graduating. If we could have the graduates come forward and the families of those graduating to circle around them, lay hands on them. We really want to bless these guys and pray for these guys in this next chapter for their lives. So friends and family, anyone that wants to come along, go ahead and face me and you guys can turn around and face me. We'll pray together. You guys, join me. Lord, we are grateful for these guys as the families and friends come around. These guys and girls get lifted up. Get lifted up to you. And it's and there's more people here rep, representing these guys that, that are going to lift these guys up in, in the days ahead, in the paths ahead, whether it's college, whether it's career choice, whether it's jobs, whether it's moving far away or staying at home. Lord, we want you to bless these guys' steps and, and direct their paths. Lord, we, we read that you're a light unto our feet, but you don't give us the high beam light that goes out hundreds of feet out in front of us, but you give us just the next step, Lord. But I pray that these guys feel that confidence and peace and courage in the days ahead for them to know that you're there with them, that you're guiding and directing their steps. Lord, we as a church want to lift these guys up in the days ahead as they they go their separate ways and whether they're still part of this community or not, we want to remember them in prayer and in other ways of giving and helping them out. But Lord, we know what it means to be a church and to be a family. And, and part of that means to lift up those that, that go on. Lord, I pray for the spirits of these that are graduating, whether it's excitement, whether it's indifference, whether it's um, some fear, or whatever these guys might be feeling in this time, I pray that your peace is felt in a powerful way, that you come alongside and bless their steps and, and give them that peace and courage to face what, what's coming ahead. And I pray it is excitement, Lord. I pray that you grow these guys' passions in the days ahead and have them find what it is you have called them to do and be in the, in the days and the years ahead. We love you, Lord. We, we are grateful for you being a God that guides and directs and walks alongside. I pray for these families as well as they may be missing a graduate moving away from home. Be with them in those days. Give them peace. Give them the right words to to give their um, their graduates that that are moving on. Lord, we are grateful. We we are so grateful for your love. Let your love be felt in a powerful way in this time as these guys progress on. We're so thankful for who you are. Again, bless these guys' steps, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. If we could have the ushers come on forward, we'll take today's tithes and offerings. You guys join me in prayer as we bless this morning's tithes and offerings. Lord, we are grateful for the blessings in our lives and um, 
your blessings comes in many different ways, whether it's financially, whether it's through friendships, relationships, a church body that supports us. Lord, we are grateful for many blessings that we know come from you. And as we talk about thankfulness, Lord, our, our eyes and our thoughts go to tomorrow and, and Memorial Day and what that represents for us, for us as a nation, for us as a church. We understand that there is no greater love than for someone to lay down their life. We are grateful for those that serve this country, that support through the military. We want to thank you um, for that kind of love that is present. Lord, we do pray for those whose hearts may be heavy this Memorial Day, that have lost someone, maybe in service. Lord, we, we pray for the families the loved ones of those that um, that are around those that may be lost. Um, and Lord, bless this tithes and offerings this morning as we give from out of the many, many blessings that you give us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We have a few announcements. Um, I think everybody is invited to me and Michael's, what, is that fair to say? It's going to be not here. The reception will be here, but the wedding will be at Golden Bell at 4 p.m. this Friday. That's coming up, and that's going to be a great occasion. Um, if you guys want to help out with the Ethiopia trip, there is a booth set up in the lobby right now. Um, after the service, go out there find out other ways to help out. Um, please be helping with prayer. Obviously, that is huge for this trip of those from this church that are going. Um, financially, you can help as well. And also, please, um, reservations for the all-church campout need to be made. That's the KOA Cotopaxi campsite. That's July 26th through the 28th. And make sure you get those reservations in. Um, and that is all of our announcements. I think we have a video and for our graduates.
in a break. I picked a different picture. All right, I want to invite the kids up here. Come on up, kids. We've got a little sermon in the sack happening. They let me come up here because I'm still not grown up yet, but that's fine. Super excited. I've never done one of these before. So be kind to me or don't. Olivia was trying to beat me up yesterday. <laughs> All right, Xander, what do you have for me? Ooh, this is awesome. So for those of you guys who cannot see out there, we have a little homemade Lego car. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but when I was your age, almost an eternity ago, I used to play with Legos and I used to take, like, you know how you can get the little kits of them and stuff and you can build them off the way that you would have them? I would build them all. Do what? Yeah. Yeah, you have, you have those, like, creativity kits and stuff, but you can build them up the way that you want to. What I would do is I would build them up like the exact way it was supposed to be on the box, and then a day later I would take the entire thing apart and I would put the parts onto a different piece. I had a monstrosity of a car that was just huge. It was awesome. But Legos are fantastic. They're wonderful. They let you be creative. Um, yeah, they let you be imaginative. You guys know what creativity is? Yeah? Real cars. This car drives too. What are you laughing at? It's crazy, right? So... Let me ask you guys, what are, what are some things that you are creative with? What are you creative with? Okay, creative with art. What else? Yeah, creative with music. What else? Yeah, you hear songs, you'd be creative with that. What else? What is that? Yeah, like a fort out in the woods. Yeah, absolutely. I love building forts. That's way cool. What else? What is that? With your hair? Yeah. Super creative with your hair. What else? What else can you guys be creative with? What else? Yeah. Okay, yeah. We can be creative with Legos. Okay, creative with outfits. What else? Yeah. Dresses. Yeah, what else? Crafts. Okay, that's good. That's good. So hopefully you guys are starting to see what? Writing. Strategy. Games, paper, and paper, yeah, origami, folding stuff up, I love it. So hopefully you guys are starting to see that you can be creative in a lot of different ways. But did you guys know that in the Bible, God actually calls you to be creative? That's actually something that he asks of you. So in the very, very first chapter of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, God creates humanity and he puts them in the Garden of Eden. And he says, I want you to be in the garden. I want you to work it. And I want you to take care of it. Um, and he, he calls them to rule over it. He calls them to be his co-rulers and his co-creators inside of creation. We are made in his image. And God is the ultimate creator. Invites us to create alongside of him being made in his image. And so one thing that you guys can always hold on to. And one thing that you can always come back to. Especially when you see some Legos, is that you are creative, and when you are being creative, when you are being artistic, or when you are doing your hair in the morning, when you're picking out that outfit that you want to wear, or, you know, when you do some super kill 360 no-scope move in Fortnite, yeah, I do those sometimes, 
when, when you do something super creative like that, just know that that is a God-given ability that God has given you that nothing else on the planet has. We're the only ones that can be that kind of creative. And when you guys choose to be that kind of creative, you are living out what it means to be a human being. What do you think about that? Yeah? Yeah, pretty all right. So my encouragement to you guys, why is that weird? <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. But my encouragement to you guys today when you go home, is find some way to be creative. Find something creative to do. You know, maybe help your mom or your dad, like, start cooking, because cooking's a way to be creative. Or, you know, draw a picture. You know, be a part of God's creative activity in the world. You guys do that? All right. Xander, I'll give you back your car. I don't want to steal that from you. That was really cool. Thanks for joining me up here, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Well, it's been a minute since I've been up here. Um, we, Woodland Life Center is smack dab in the middle of a series called Rooted. And we're basically making our way through the whole of the Bible in a year. Um, because I'm the guest speaker, I got saddled with the book of Lamentations. Um, and some of you guys are like, oh, no, it's Lamentations. And some of you guys, hopefully like me, are super duper excited. Um, I had just recently fallen in love with the Old Testament. Um, it is what I want to study for the rest of my life. It's, when I go, what, it's what I want to go get my doctorate in. Um, and so hopefully this morning we will be able to draw something amazing out of this book of Lamentations that is weird and that is strange, but that has powerful truths for us today. So if you would join me in a word of prayer as we open up this morning. Almighty God, creator of all things, Continue to be with us in this place this morning. Allow these ancient words to speak into our lives. Though they may be strange and confusing and we might not know what to do with them at times, I pray that you will, you will tug on our heart. You will lead us in your truth with your wisdom. And you'll speak to each and every person in this room this morning. I pray that we might find a deep, deep spiritual friend inside the book of Lamentations. We love you, Lord. We pray all this through your name. Amen. Well, I want to start off today by talking about music. Because music is what I like to call the language of the soul. When, when human beings want to express their deepest emotional experiences audibly, they usually do so through music. And while all of us are not super talented at making music for ourselves primarily me, I have yet to meet someone who doesn't enjoy at least listening to music. There's just, there's something special about the combination of words and of rhythms that express something that we just probably wouldn't be able to express otherwise. And let's not fail to mention that music, as an incredible art form, can give us a glimpse into a person's life. It lets us see through a window into 
what they're thinking and what they're feeling and what they're experiencing. You can tell what mood a person is in by the music they're listening to. And you can hear the emotion pour out of an artist when they're writing a song that's especially meaningful to them. And what's more, we actually can experience emotions right in tune with where the music is leading us. And we can use the words of the lyricist when our own words fall short. This becomes especially meaningful. The lyrics become especially meaningful when you start to break down what the different words mean. Because again, it's art. It's poetry. And so perhaps when you hear Don't Stop Believing by Journey, you, you feel a sense of empowerment to continue pressing through your current trial or to finish running that last half mile that you really, really don't want to run. Or maybe when you hear the song Jesus Paid It All, you're emotionally moved by the declaration to praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life from the dead. But in any scenario, music serves as kind of like a sushi train of emotions. It brings around all different varieties for us to choose and to pick from to help give sound to what our own spirit is experiencing. And fortunately for us, we are not the first ones to discover the power of music and lyrics, but our biblical ancestors were actually masters of rhythm and of lyric, and they leveraged both of these to their advantage when they were writing about the times that they found themselves in. Um, but unfortunately for us, a lot of that is sort of lost in translation. Sometimes when we hear songs of lament today, they, they sound foreign to our very Western American ears. And maybe it sounds foreign because it's the fact that many of us are very unfamiliar with the level of suffering that's described in the Book of Lamentations. Because this is the kind of suffering that drives people to ultimate extremes that, quite honestly, are taboo in many societies. This is kind of where I am. I don't know that level of suffering. But maybe it's not that. Maybe it's that these, these writings are so foreign to us because they're written 2,500 years ago in a different language. And we feel a disconnect there. It could be that. I've been there too. But maybe it's become, or maybe it's because we've become so used to our own suffering that trying to hear about the suffering of others seems like too daunting of a task. It's too much. Whatever the case may be, I hope that today you will find a deep, deep spiritual friend in the Book of Lamentations. But for us to begin to engage with this new friend, like you do with any new friend, it helps to learn a little bit of background knowledge on them before you jump in first. And so let's call this first part of our message the dating phase. There, there's really three critical components to Lamentations that are going to help us not understand not only what the book is saying, but how it's saying it to us and what that means. So the very first point that we need to understand is that the, the whole of the book of Lamentations, all five chapters of it, were written after the fall of Jerusalem in 587 B.C. Um, for those who don't know, the, the nation of Babylon came in from the north and... Israel had already been wiped out by Assyria at this point, but Babylon had come in, and in 587, they were finally able to take the stronghold of Jerusalem from the nation of Judah. And it was not pretty. That's a very mild way to say it. it. It was horrible. It was tragic. It was ugly. It was brutal. There was killing. There was slaughter. It was not fun. It was just not good. And this book is written as, as a, rea a reaction to that and as a reflection of that. And so that's our first 
thing that we need to remember as we read through this book. The second thing that we need to remember is this, this book, these, these songs are actually meant to be read in what's called broken meter. And I'm not a music person, and so I'm sorry for any of you that are musically inclined, but I'm going to butcher this right now. But broken meter is basically your first line of the song is in 3-3 three, three time. And then the second line right after that is in 2-2 two, two time. And Mia tried to show it to me yesterday, and I'm not going to be able to replicate it at all. But basically the first line of the song goes like, and then the second line goes, and it's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> but suffice it to say for right now that broken meter is chaotic. It's disordered. And when you speak it, you're still able to speak it, but when you're speaking these things, there's this sense of welling up as you're speaking, like something's not right here. Something's out of order. There's disorder. There's chaos, and things are not well. And this leads us to our last thing that we need to keep in mind as we are reading through the book of Lamentations. Um, but before we get into this last point, I want to welcome you all to your first biblical Hebrew interpretation lesson. None of you knew this was going to happen today. Um, but I have up here Lamentations chapter 1 in the original Hebrew text. And don't freak out because you can't read any of it. That's okay. Um, the important thing that we need to note right now is the four letters that are in bold and that are different colors. Good job, Scott. He got it. <laughs> and this is, this is very critical for our understanding of it. Um, because Lamentations, the entire book, is an acrostic poem. What an acrostic poem is in the English is basically it's a poem that every single line of the poem starts with a letter of either the alphabet or of a word that you're trying to spell. And so in our case, if I were to redo something like this, it would be like, A, apples are delicious. B, bananas are fruit. C, carrots are not fruit. D, don't forget to eat your apples. But it'd, be, it'd basically be like that. Um, and Lamentations is exactly this. And this is super critical for us to understand. And so when you look up here, you read right to left. I know it's weird. But when you look up here, you have Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And then you have Bet is the second letter. And then Gimel is the third letter. letter, And then Dalet is the fourth letter. And so as you're reading through the book of Lamentations, the first chapter has 22 verses. And there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. The second chapter has 22 verses. And there's 22 letters. And it's it's ordered and it's structured and it seems as though the author is trying to find some kind of order amidst all the chaos. And then chapter 3, the chapter we're going to be primarily looking at today, actually has 66 verses. Each letter gets three verses instead of just one. Um, and we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more as we get into it. The fourth chapter goes back to the set of 22 verses, one letter per verse. But then the fifth chapter is super interesting. Because the fifth chapter has 22 verses, but the letters are all out of whack. It starts with like... Zion, which you guys don't know, and then it goes to, like, Aleph, and then it goes to Tet, and it's just, it's crazy. It's weird. They're all out of sorts. But this, again, is meant to remind us the, the chaos and the disorder. It's so disordered, it's so chaotic, that even trying to write down this book can no longer hold order. That's the kind of disorder, that's the kind of chaos we're jumping into here when we start to read through Lamentations. And so as we as we sort of start to make our way through, let's remember to keep these things in mind, that this is a poetic expression, and it's meant to invite us in to join in with people who are, who are suffering and who are hurting, and perhaps who are maybe giving us words that we don't have for ourselves. But amid all of this chaos, 
we see that the artists writing these things down, they're, they're crying out in agony. But more importantly, they're crying out in worship. And yet, you, you heard me right. They are crying out in worship. When we consider the book of Lamentations, let us not neglect the fact that this book, this collection of songs, is an invitation to worship God honestly. And to be totally frank with you, this is critical for our worship experience, both individually and corporately. If you read through Lamentations, the language flips between I and we. This is not just an I am suffering, or this is not just a we are going through this really hard time. It's a both and. Language can be used interchangeably. But Lamentations is critical for our worship experience because, honestly, for me, I don't even want to worship a God who needs to hear my songs of praise and who needs to hear how great he is to be happy. That's not a God I want to worship. I don't want to worship a God who's just going to snap his fingers and make me feel better. I want a God who's going to die with me. I want a God who's going to suffer with me and who's going to die for me. That's the kind of God that I want. And Lamentations is this invitation to worship God through grieving. And to live in a space where things are not all right. And to cry out to God from that space. Ultimately, it's a reminder that genuine faith exists in honesty. It exists in the crying out, in the process, and in the struggle. Because I guarantee you this, it takes a lot more faith to cry out to God and say, I am trusting that you are going to do something without me having to do anything. I'm trusting in your provenient grace. That is genuine faith in Christ. So hear the words of the struggle of our biblical ancestors this morning. If you want to read along, we're going to be in Lamentations chapter 3. Hear the words of the struggle. I am one who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Against me alone, he turns his hand again and again all day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away and broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me sit in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has put heavy chains on me. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stones. He has made my paths crooked. He's a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He led me off my way and tore me to pieces. He's made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a mark for his arrow. He shot into my vitals the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all my people, the object of their taunt songs all day long. He's filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel. He has made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, gone is my glory and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. That's heavy stuff. This is a person who clearly is suffering beyond what they know what. The whole first two chapters of Lamentations, the whole first two songs, including this part of the third song, echoes this very theme. God, why are we suffering? Where are you? Look at the deep pain that you've caused. 
This is a pain that comes not only from the physical torments of exile, but it comes from the emotional pain of feeling betrayed. Because you need to remember, these are God's chosen people. This is supposed to be the people that God would fight for. The Almighty who brought them out of the land of Egypt. I will be your God and you will be my people. This whole book takes place within the context of covenant. And later in the chapter even, the author is super comfortable in pointing out the other nations that are making them suffer and saying, God, go get them! Tear them down! Let them have it for all the evil things that they've done to us! But there's this covenant. There's a feeling of betrayal. This isn't the end of the story, though. Because the covenant is also where hope springs from. We're going to jump around a little bit inside of the third chapter. We're going to read verses 21 and 24 and 55 and 57. Hear the word of the lamenter. But this, this next part, I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies, his chesed, his covenant faithfulness, his loving kindness never ceases, never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Jump on ahead to verse 55. I call on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ear to my cry for help, but give me relief. You came near when I called on you, and you said, do not fear. These are the only words of hope found in the book of Lamentations. From from that point forward, chapter 4 and chapter 5, they're all back downhill again. But the words of hope are placed in the most crucial point of the entire book. And it's amazing. If you will notice, they're placed smack dab in the middle of these songs. Right in the middle. It's as if the entirety of the people's suffering hinges on hope. It's as though their entire understanding of the suffering that they're going through hinges on hope. You have hope, it's almost like having a book. You have hope as your spine right here, and suffering on either side, and yeah, the suffering's great, but the spine, the spine holds all things together. The people are hoping that the Lord will remain faithful to his covenant and to his character. They're desperate. But even in their most desperate times, they cling to hope. Even when it seems like things are out of order, the disorder still relies on hope. What is this hope? Well, the hope is that this suffering will be short-lived. Hope is that the Lord will be faithful. But the ultimate hope, the greatest hope, is ultimately that God will return and that he will act. The, fi- the very last two verses of the book ends with this final plea. It says, Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. And that's it. There is no resolution. There's no final word of encouragement that says, Oh, but... Things will be okay. There's just a plea to be restored. 
But I hope you guys hear this because this plea is amazing. And coming from a holiness tradition, this plea is so Nazarene, y'all. It's awesome. Basically, this says, God, we can't do anything unless you act first. Return and deliver us. Wow. What a hope to, like, what a hope to hang on to. God, we cannot move forward. We cannot get out of this unless you act first. That's a cry for provenient grace if I've ever heard one. That's amazing, y'all. And this hope inside of this lament is the same hope that we cling to as we await the day that the Lord returns. And I hope you guys know he's coming back. That's the hope. The hope is that he's coming back, and when he comes back, he's going to restore and renew all things. That's what we're waiting for. But until then, until then, we wait. And until then, we hope. And until then, we join in with 2,500 years of people who are worshiping, honestly and faithfully. I can think of no better advice to give my fellow graduates this year than simply this. Worship God honestly. When life is ordered and everything's going great, sing songs about how great things are. Enjoy it. When life falls into chaos and disorder, when unexpected tragedy happens, or let's be real, when you reach your first semester of college finals, remember the lament. Don't neglect it. But lament. Lament in private. Lament in public. And once that hope that you were clinging so tightly to becomes a reality, sing songs of thanksgiving. And then be prepared to do the whole thing over again. But whatever phase of life you find yourself in, graduate, not graduate, five years old, 8,000 years old, doesn't even care. I pray that we will become a people who worship God with honesty, who cling to hope, and ultimately people who remember to be hope in a dying world, both outside and inside these walls. Would you pray with me? Mighty God, in whom we know the power of redemption, you stand among us in the shadows of our time. As we move through every sorrow and trial of this life, uphold us with knowledge of the final morning when, in the glorious presence of your risen Son, we will share in his resurrection redeemed and restored to the fullness of life. May we remember the book of Lamentations as a deep spiritual friend. In the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Ryan has words for you. Hey, um... I, I, I'd like to do something this morning. Um, wasn't wasn't this awesome? Wow, man! It's, uh, this guy uh, becomes my son-in-law Friday, and <laughs> so we have been lamenting. <laughs> you know, he he just a couple minutes ago, he's you know talked about. Jesus is coming back, I, I, and uh, th throughout my years of, of praying over my children, I'd actually been praying that Jesus would come back before I had to walk Mia down the aisle. So, <laughs> so, 
He's got five days. Um, yeah, no. Here's what I want to do this morning. I, 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 if, if you would, would in, indulge this, I, I'd like to pray over Mia and Michael as a church family, over their marriage, and sending them out into ministry because a, after today or really after Friday, they're going to head off to honeymoon, and then they're, they're going to both be engaged in full-time ministry at, at a church near Nashville, um, and they're just heading into their life and ministry together. So what, what do you think about that? Can we have me and Michael just come right here? And those of you that would like to come around them, let's, uh, yeah, and, and that's probably a lot of folks in here. Let's, we'll, we'll crowd it out, no problem. They have ministered to us, this church family, for a lot of years, and what a great opportunity is to, to send them out um, as a couple. Jesus, we, we honor you today um, by praying over Michael and Mia, two kids that basically grew up in this church family and have become powerful tools in your hands for ministering to the kingdom and for kingdom purposes. We thank you for your hand on Mia's life and, and through her ministry and through worship today and on Michael's life and his ministry in the word. What a powerful team they are and a powerful team they will continue to be. I pray that your anointing will continue to just fall all over them and pour out, not just in them, but through them for the purpose of bringing people, lost and found people, into your presence. The kingdom needs powerful people like them, no matter where they are. We're, we're sending them to the Nashville area, but um, no doubt there's a, there's a journey ahead of them. Um, and I pray that you will go before them and that you will surround them with your presence, protect them from the rear, meaning uh, I'm asking, Lord, that the schemes of the enemy will be broken at the foot of your cross. Whatever, whatever he tries to do to kill and steal and, and destroy what's happening in these two and through them. Uh, thank you for the victory um, that is in their lives now and the victory that will continue to be. We love them. We speak that kind of love over them. We want them to know that and... And we have high hopes and expectations about what you are going to do through them. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, we all pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, uh, the rest of you, will you stand with me? I want to say a blessing over you. Or uh, you want to say the blessing today, Mike? Either way. Okay, Michael's going to say the blessing over us as we depart. Hear the words of the priestly blessing given in Numbers. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you, to be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you 
to give you peace. I won't see you next week, but it's been an awesome pleasure being with you this morning. Have an amazing one. We'll see you when I see you. Working all things out. Working all things out.